So in November of 2019, I met a, uh, a guy named Craig Alsup at the BCNE annual meeting. And uh, he was trying to drum up support for what he and his organization, MANA Worldwide, were uh, doing, uh, specifically among pastors in New England. And so uh, we started talking, and then we ended up figuring out that we know some of the same people, um, uh, Silas and Riley Thompson in Mongolia. And so we were like, hey, one of these days we want to get to Mongolia, and they, y'all go to Mongolia with mission teams. And so could we, like, figure something out. And he was like, absolutely, we could figure something out. We got something going on. I, I want you to be a part of it. And then I invited him here and like, then this thing called COVID happened. <laughs> Have you heard about this? We had this grand plan to take a team of people from here to Mongolia. And well, things, things happened and that fell apart. But Craig has been persistent and he wants to one day maybe get us there again, but he's also got some other ideas for us today. And so Craig Alsop is here with his lovely family. Uh, I'm, I'm told that this is their last Sunday morning in New England. Some of y'all got to see him try to back his trailer into the parking spot out there. I think he did an excellent job. <laughs> so they are leaving from here to drive back down to Texas, all right? And so, or, or you stopping somewhere else? Texas, all right. See, so Texas doesn't make him automatically trustworthy, but it gives him a head start. <laughs> So, Craig, would you come up and share with us what God is leading you to share? All right. Good morning. I made the leap onto the stage. That's a good start. Man, I'm always nervous about that, you know. You're in front of a bunch of people. It's kind of like backing a trailer. You're in front of a bunch of people. You're like, you got to have your man card, you know what I'm saying, guys? You got to do that right. You're like, let's do this, right? Uh, but made the leap park the trailer. I'm off to a good start, so I'm just going to leave. No. Um, <laughs> well, I am glad that you guys are here. I am glad that we got to be here and uh, excited that we saved the best for last in New England this time around, right? Right. Uh, I'm also glad that everybody mentioned Reformation Sunday, because actually what I was planning to do today is just read all the 95 theses. Is that... Everybody good with that? Uh, I don't speak German, so I've got them translated, but number 52 is really a stunner, so stick around, right? No. Uh, <laughs> well, guys, uh, we are excited to be here uh, with the Alsop family. Um, maybe show that next slide so you can see a picture of us. Since I can't get my family to get on stage with me, I'll just put their picture out for you. Uh, but this is us. Uh, my name's Craig. Uh, my wife, Jennifer. Uh, my kiddos, Sarah and Jude. Sarah just turned 10, so she's basically an adult now, right? Um, and Jude is, uh, or so she thinks. Uh, Jude is seven, and uh, we are the Allsup family. We're assistant directors for Asia. Uh, with an organization called Mana Worldwide that we talked about last year when we were here a little bit, but I'll give you I'll give you a brief, and then I, I do want to jump in and, and and preach a little bit today because nobody wants to come to church without hearing preaching, right? Right. Um, and so here we go. Uh, Mana Worldwide was started in 2001. It was started by a missionary named Bruce O'Neill. He was a guy that was there to be a church planter in the time that uh, Baptist missionaries were told, go plant a church like if you build it, they will come. And then you build it. And then you look outside the gates of the church and you realize that there are people in such desperate physical and spiritual poverty. And as a Christian, what do you do? I mean, 
You look at the Bible, see what Jesus did when he saw people in desperate physical need. He reached out to them. He helped them. He met their physical need while at the same time telling them, hey, you've got a bigger need here. Let me help to meet that with God, right? And so Bruce did that. He looked outside the church. He saw a need. He started, you know, putting clothes on kids' backs and, and helping educate kids, he and his wife, and helping to feed some kids. And, I, you know, you can almost guess what happens next. If somebody loves your kids and cares for your kids, parents, what do you do? You pay attention, right? And so all these physical me, uh, means and, and, and needs being met began to get the attention of these parents, and the church began to grow because parents started to come to try to figure out, who is this Jesus? What are they talking about? Why are these people helping my kids? And the church began to grow, and people began to come to faith. And somewhere along the way, Bruce said, wait a minute. What if we did this in other places? And so now here we are, 20 years later, uh, we work with uh, missionaries in 50 different countries around the world, about 235 different ongoing projects that are happening every day, whether I'm there or not, that are happening because we partner with churches here in the United States to help, uh, to, help to support projects in these 50 countries. We're talking about places where there's such desperate physical poverty that people can't hear the gospel over their stomach growling. And so we help to meet those needs. Men are worldwide as orphanages, schools, medical clinics, nutrition centers where kids are being fed, you know, food, of course, but also being given the gospel to take home to their families. And we see churches growing around the world through these projects and these works that man has partnered with these churches to make happen. We also, as Pastor alluded to, get to take people there. Uh, it's probably our favorite part of what we do, right, Jennifer? It's probably our favorite part of what we do. We get to take you and we get to introduce you to the kid that's there because you give. That's how I look at it. And way long time ago, uh, not so long ago, I guess, in 2008, Jennifer and I did this crazy around the world trip that I talked about last time I was here. And um, we met people who forever changed our lives. And because we met them face to face, we've never been able to forget them. And so my hope is, my prayer is, that in this next year, we'll get to take some of you and introduce you to some of them. And it'll forever change your life. If you go on a trip with us, I can guarantee that it will be impactful. Why? we serve a God who wants to impact the lives of people here, there, and absolutely everywhere. And so MANA does that. We lead about, uh, the organization as a whole typically leads about 100 trips a year all over the world to our project so you can get there and meet these people and see the need and get behind it and give to it and pray for it and, and, and want to go more. And we bring you back home and we tell you, listen, what you did on that trip there is also desperately needed here. This morning, I want to talk with you a little bit about having a do-something faith. You know, I think uh, for many of us, maybe, uh, you know, um, sadly, for most of us, it becomes, our faith becomes, if we're not careful, something that is a, a hear-something faith, a believe-something faith, 
Uh, it means something to me, faith. But if we're not careful, especially in the United States, where, uh, believe it or not, our faith is fairly easy for us to have here. I mean, it's fairly easy for us to go to a church on Sunday morning. It's fairly easy for us to have access to the Bible. It's fairly easy for us to be believers and not to be ridiculed at least too much, though things are changing a bit. But there are places that we work around the world, and in fact, most of the places that we work around the world, people either can't be openly Christian for fear of their life or their business, their family, or they can't be openly Christian enough that it makes as wide of an impact in their community as they want it to because they don't have the resources to do something about a lot of the issues that they see in their communities. And so I want to challenge us this morning to have a do-something faith, not just to hear something or believe something faith, but a faith that moves our feet, a faith that moves our prayer life, a faith that moves us to action, whatever action that is. I challenged you last time I was here to say, God, whatever it is you want me to do, the answer is yes. Whatever you want me to give, the answer is yes. Wherever you want me to go, the answer is yes. And it's really more of the same today. We are meant to be do-something believers. I want to tell you about a do-something believer that I know named Ajay. I think it's two slides over. And Ajay is a young man that was raised in our orphanage in Nepal, in Peace Child Home in Nepal. This is Ajay doing what Ajay does best. This is Ajay worshiping. This is Ajay praising this king. Ajay grew up in a culture, in a community where almost everyone is Hindu where almost everyone is worshiping and sacrificing and doing all the things that they can possibly try to do to try to get ahead so that God will love them, so that the gods will love them, will care for them, will give them a better next life, will give them a better next reincarnation. But listen, Ajay came into an orphanage, a place where there are other believers a place where Christianity is preached every single day, a place where they have small group Bible studies in an orphanage every single night. And Ajay came to faith in Jesus. He turned aside from all of the Hindu gods and goddesses. He turned aside for all the ritualistic stuff. He turned aside from everything that he had to do to try to get close to God because he realized that Jesus already made a way. And that changed his life forever. You see, on the rooftop here, we were singing and praising and preaching and teaching with a whole group of orphans and a mission team that we got to take over from Manna. And at the end of our time on this rooftop, Ajay and I are standing at the edge of the rooftop together and everyone else filters down off the roof. And Ajay and I are looking out at the mountainsides across from us. Big, beautiful mountains. country of Nepal is full of eight of the top ten tallest mountains in the world. It's a massive mountain range. And there are all these little villages and houses dotting the sides of these mountains. And Ajay and I are looking out and we're looking at these houses and we're looking at all the, all, all the 
potential, all the, all the villages out there, all the people that don't know Jesus. And I said, Ajay, you see the houses? And he said, yeah. And I said, do you know that most of the people in these houses have never once heard the name of Jesus? He said, yeah. And I said, what do we do? And he said, I don't know. And I said, well, we've got to go, right? And he said, yeah, we need to go. And I said, you know, it can't be me, right? Like, it can't be just me because when you look like me and talk like me and are from the place that I'm from, sometimes those doors are closed before I ever even get close to the village. I can't go in there and talk about Jesus openly. It's illegal. The doors are closed. They don't want to hear from somebody that looks like me, talks like me. What do we do, Ajay? And he said, I'll go. This is a young man, maybe 19 years old at the time, 18 years old at the time. And I thought, wow, that's a great thing for him to say, right? But you know, like deep in your heart, sometimes when you hear somebody say something like that, you think, maybe. Like maybe he will, maybe he won't. Give it a few years, we'll see what happens, right? We're skeptical a little bit. And so I said, okay. And I make it home from this mission trip, and a few days later I get a message from Ajay, and Ajay says, hey, there's this training uh, school down in India that I want to go to that's going to teach me how to do exactly what we talked about on that mountain that day. It's going to teach me how to share my faith with my people and to go into villages and to give people this Jesus. I thought, man, that was quick. Maybe you really will do something. So we send him down to India. He gets to India last year in January. It's supposed to be January, February, March, a three-month program. You guys remember something weird happened in March last year? Uh, this thing called COVID happened, and what happened here happened there times like 100. As far as shutdowns, as far as danger to be out in the streets, uh, police beating people in the streets for being out, all the borders shut down. I reach out to Ajay, and I'm like, dude, what are you going to do? And he said, well, all the borders are closed, all the planes, buses, trains. I can't walk across the border to Nepal, so I'm stuck in India. But don't worry, the school said that they will continue to teach us missions. This thing will probably be over pretty soon. So, so they're going to just do it for free. And I'm like, yeah, free's good. Free's good. And so Ajay got April for free. He got May for free. He got June and July and August and September. And in October of last year, he finally got the green light to cross the border. The border finally opened six months later. Now, 19-year-old kid, he's been stuck in a foreign country. He finally gets to come back home. I reach out to our orphanage director a couple days later, and I'm like, man, I bet you're glad to have Ajay back. And he said, he's not back. And I'm like, what? He told me he was coming back. Like, India's big, but not that big. Like, he should be back. And he said, Ajay decided that he wanted to go to the village that his people are from. Because he found out that there's no believers in that village. And there's no church in that village. And he wanted to immediately get started with what God had for him to do. And so he's in that village scouting to see about planting a church there. <laughs> that's good news, church. That's a do-something Christian. 
talked with Ajay not long ago, and he is he went back to the orphanage for a little while to kind of plan and, and, and prepare, and now he's back in his village starting small groups to get ready to plant a church. Church, that's good news. That's a do-something Christian. I want to read from, uh, from Matthew 14 today a little bit, and beginning in verse 22. This is, uh, this is a story that we, we probably, you know, even if you haven't been in church very much, you probably know a little bit about Jesus walking on water, right? And so this is a story about Jesus walking on water. And I want to pick out a few things within this that, that sometimes I think we just read through and we go, wow, Jesus walked on water. That's awesome. Like, I wish I would have been there. That's so cool. But I want to pick out just a few things in here um, that I think are, 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 are a beautiful way for God to show us in his word that we're meant to be doers. We're meant to do something. The Bible says, immediately he, Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And then in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. Church, this is odd. Can we agree? I think when the Bible gives us something odd, we're meant to look a little deeper. We're meant to pay a little attention, right? It's like a wake-up call. Like Jesus doesn't just do a miracle for the sake of doing a miracle. He's walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. Who else? I mean, it's Halloween. We can say it, right? Right? Is a ghost. They're a little frightened, you might say, right? They're huddled in the corner of the boat, drenched, soaking wet, looking at a guy walking on the sea thinking, not going to get out of the corner today. Just going to stay here until we figure this thing out, right? It's a ghost, and they cried out in fear and listened to this church during a time of fear. During a time when you're huddled in the corner, during a time when you're soaking wet and trying to figure out what God has for you next, listen, here's what Jesus does. This is who Jesus is. This is our God, church. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And that's good news. That's good news, church. It's good news that we have a God who can do the miraculous. But even when we miss it, like even when we mess it up, even when we're huddled in the corner in fear and we don't know what to do next, and when he says to do something, we don't do it, or we huddle in the corner because we're not sure what to do next, our God says, don't worry. Don't be afraid. And Peter, Peter being the wild man that I imagine him to be, Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Come on, Peter. Really? Like, do you have to make all the rest of us look bad? You know what I'm saying? Like, all the other 
disciples huddled in the corner. Peter goes, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And all of them, you can almost hear like the, <gasps> what is he thinking? Like we knew Peter had something loose up there. But, you know, they're all huddled in the corner at this moment going, ha good for Peter. This is going to be great. Right? Wouldn't that be you? That'd be me. Come on. Do we have anybody that's like a wild man or a woman in here that would be like, I'm Peter in this scenario? No, right? Not I. Uh, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus, man of few words at times, just says, come. <laughs> really, that's all, that's all you gave him. <laughs> like, come to me. It's going to be fine, my son. Come on out. Water's nice. No, Jesus just says, Come. If you're Peter, do you step out of the boat? I, I, I tend to think that most of us, even if we got up the guts to say, command me to come to you on the water, when Jesus said come, we would have been like, nah, I was like kidding. <laughs> you know? Like most of us would be like, I'm all right, really. <laughs> I'll help you in the boat. You know, right? Like at that point, maybe you believe it's him at that point, but you're still like, 50-50. I'm just going to put out a like a, maybe throw that thing, the ring thing. You know what I'm saying? Do they have that back then? I don't, somebody? No? no? They didn't have that. Uh, so a rope or something. They had rope. Um, <laughs> and I love the Bible just goes right to it. So Peter got out of the boat. Like, they don't give us the internal dialogue that had to have happened right then. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. Hooray, Peter. Everybody in the boat now, what are they saying? Man, we missed it. Like it would be totally awkward at this point if we were like, pick me, me too. You know what I'm saying? Like really awkward if everybody else ran to the side of the boat and went, okay, I'm next. No, right? So they're all still kind of like, you know, probably a little shocked and falling out of their corner. But so Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. And when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. And listen, Jesus does it again. Jesus immediately does something to make things right for the people who believe in and trust him. Like he's there for us, church. Whenever he calls you or commands you or asks you to do something next, whenever you're afraid to move your feet, Jesus is there with a hand. But immediately, or Jesus immediately, reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And Peter's like, come on. And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. It shows us something about the character of God, doesn't it? That he wants us to see the miraculous. He'll even let us be a part of it if we'll step out in faith. And when we mess it up inevitably along the way, man, he's immediately there to help us up. Sometimes we miss that Peter got to walk back to the boat with Jesus. Isn't that cool? Like he got to walk out. He messed it up. 
And then Jesus still let him walk back with him. I love that. And Peter still got to be a part of the miracle after he made the mistake. So if you're here today and you think that I've messed up, I've missed out, I've, I don't have the right stuff, <laughs> welcome to the party. <laughs> like, welcome to the club, right? Like, you're not the only one. It's all of us. But we have a God who says, it's okay. Come on. Let's take a walk. Let's do something together. Our faith, church, is meant to be, was always meant to be a do-something faith. It was meant to be a faith that makes us step out. In Matthew 14, we see the story of disciples on a boat. We see Jesus and Peter having a chat. We see Peter do something absolutely crazy. He's called out of the boat. But listen, let me tell you, in the moment that Peter's called out of the boat, Peter still has a choice. Like Jesus, Jesus wasn't forcing him to step out of the boat, right? Jesus said, come. But Peter could have said, no, I was kidding, right? It's, it's, it's all good. I'm just going to stay here. I, don't miss this. Peter was a fisherman. And fishermen know what boats are for. Is anybody in here a fisherman? Anybody got a boat? No? Why is it that in every church that I, you know, I preach this sermon at, nobody ever has a boat? I can't, not just one, nobody? All right, anybody take baths? No. Um, <sighs> you know what a boat is for, though, right? Peter knew that a boat was for getting you across the water on top of the water safely from point A to point B. He knew that the last thing that a fisherman would do, that a boat guy would do, would be step out of his boat on the waves. Like his dad was probably a fisherman. His grandpa was a fisherman. If the boat had a leak, while I would chew up a little gum and stick it in the leak and hope for the best, Peter knew what to do to fix the problem. Peter knew what a boat was for, church. But he was willing to step out in faith because Jesus, because of Jesus. I want to I wanna liken the boat to something. I think the boat was maybe a representation of Peter's comfort zone. Peter was comfortable on a boat, right? Jesus called him out. What's your comfort zone? Like, what's my comfort zone? My comfort zone is my family and, and, and our work that we do and, and getting to speak. I actually, this doesn't freak me out. Uh, if you ask me to sing, that would be bad. Um, I would run and get out of here just as fast as I backed in with my trailer. Just had to get, pat myself on the back again for that. Um, <laughs> but what's your comfort zone? Like, what are the, the things that you surround yourself, the people that you surround yourself with, the places that you go, the places that you don't go? What's your comfort zone? Don't we love to stay in our comfort zone? Like, don't we love, man, isn't that like warm and snuggly right there in our comfort zone, right? 
But I don't think the gospel was ever meant to keep us in our comfort zone. I don't think when Martin Luther nailed those 95 theses on that door, I don't think that was in his comfort zone. I don't think when Peter stepped out of the boat that it was in his comfort zone. I don't think when Ajay went to India to learn how to be a missionary to his people and, and went to that village and started small groups, I don't think that's in his comfort zone. I think that's him taking a step of faith because Jesus is worthy. And that's scary, right? Like taking a step of faith out of your comfort zone is frightening. I don't know what Jesus is calling you to do. I know that each one of us have a command from Christ to be a part of the mission of Christ, to reach people here, there, and everywhere so that people will come to faith in him and so that people will follow him and so that one day we'll be standing around the throne praising him together with all tribes, tongues, nations, all people groups. You believe that? And I believe that each one of us has a particular role to play in seeing that happen. In getting to be a part of that. We each have a calling, something we're good at, right? That God has gifted us with to do something for him. But it's still frightening. I don't know. Um, I don't know if I don't know if Matthew 14 would have been like the first time Peter saw Jesus in action if he would have stepped out of the boat. Like, I don't know if he would have been willing to step that far out of the comfort zone if that would have been the first meeting with Jesus. Like, if that would have been the first time. I don't know about you, but for most of us, we meet Jesus because somebody invites us to church or a friend shares their faith with us. Or, or, or maybe, maybe somebody just sends you a Bible or a text, or you see something on social media and you go, wow, let me look at that. Like, let me pay attention for once. I don't know, right? That's, that's how most of us end up coming to faith, is that somebody we know, our, a friend, a family member, a coworker, somebody we know, somebody we meet at a coffee shop, tells us about Jesus. It's like a, it's like a warm introduction, you know what I'm saying? And Peter has one of those in Luke 5. In Luke 5, we, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but in Luke 5 we see uh, Jesus is teaching from the shore. A bunch of people are there. Peter just happens to be there with his boat. Like Peter's not a follower of Jesus, but he just, right, happenstance. Does anybody believe in happenstance? No, not I, right? I believe that Peter is there because God wanted Peter there because Peter needed to hear what Jesus was saying and needed to be a part of something bigger than fishing. And so Peter is there with his boat and Jesus is teaching on the shore and Jesus looks over and sees Peter in his boat and says, Hey, Peter, can I get on your boat? Will you push out a little and I can teach from there? And if I had any boat guys in here, They would probably be like, yeah, somebody wants to get on my boat. Man, yeah, get on my boat. Let me show you my boat, right? I don't know all the boat terminology, or I'd tell you all the things that they'd show you on the boat, but I don't know. Uh, 
But like, yeah, like get on my boat. Let me show you my boat. It's not a big ask at first, is it? Like Jesus says, hey, let me get on your boat. And Peter's like, come on. Jesus gets on the boat and begins to teach, and Peter begins to hear some things. He begins to see some things. The relationship begins to grow. Jesus asked Peter to follow him, and he begins to follow him, and it leads to a Matthew 14, step out of the boat, crazy miracle walk on water kind of thing. I don't know where your story started, but it probably started more in a Luke 5 than a Matthew 14, right? It probably started with somebody telling you about Jesus. And I want to challenge you today that if you've not told anybody about Jesus, you need to be doing that. (laughs) I want to challenge you today that those people around you are placed around you for a purpose. Invite them into that Luke 5, man, let's, let's meet Jesus moment. And then wait for the Matthew 14 miracle. Because it's coming. And the same for you. If you've come here today for the first time, if you're watching online for the first time, if somebody invited you to church long ago and you've just been dialing it in, you've maybe come a few times or whatever, but you've never surrendered and given your life to Jesus, let me tell you something. Your Luke 5 moment, your moment right here, right now with Jesus doesn't have to stay here. And you can be a part of the miracle. You can be a part of what Jesus wants to do in your life that's going to be more incredible than anything you can ever imagine. For some of us, we've taken steps of faith. We're past our Luke 5 moment. We're somewhere along the walk, and we just need to keep going and keep going and keep doing what God calls us to do next. We need to step out of our comfort zone. We need to walk away from our terms and take a step into Jesus' terms, what he has for us in life. As a relationship builds with Jesus, church, I'll submit to you that there's always a next step of faith. Because follow is not a passive term. It's it's not something that we can do standing still. It's something that we do when we take steps behind Jesus. And Jesus is moving, and he's impacting the world. He's impacting places like Iran and Nepal and China and India and Bangladesh and Mongolia and these places all over the world in a lot of ways like never before. And church, don't miss it. Let's be a part of it. Like, let's get to be a part of it. Jesus met Peter in his boat before he called him out of his boat. But, but, but the call out of the boat was always coming. I want to tell you, there's nothing wrong with your boat, church. I, like, sometimes I feel like, you know, people think that, you know, pastors and missionaries and, and all of us ministry people, like, stand up. And we want to tell you, like, you know, that, you know, you've done something wrong in life. You need to give all this up. And, and, and if you have a, you know, a great car or a great house or a great whatever, that you just need to sell it and give it all away. And for some of us, maybe that is our thing. Maybe that is what God is calling us to do. But listen, 
lot of us, or maybe most of us, God has given us our comfort zone. God has given us our people and our place and our job and our house and our car and whatever that we have. God has provided what we needed to make that happen, but he never meant for us to get stuck in it. That's the danger. The danger is not that we have something. The danger is that we're not willing to give it up for God. Let me say it like this, church. You need to do something you've never done before so you can see something you've never seen before. You need to do something for God that you've never done before, a step of faith, so you can see God show up in a way in your life and through your life that you've never seen Him show up before. I don't know your situation. I don't know everybody's faith journey, obviously, in here today or watching online. But I do know that if we choose to follow Jesus, whether you choose to follow him today, which I encourage you to do if you've never done, or whether we chose to follow him 50 years ago, there's going to come a day, and there probably already has been for many of us, most of us, where Jesus bids you come. When Jesus calls you out of the boat, out of your comfort zone. My prayer for you is that though you'll want to stay safe, though you'll want to stay in the boat, though our comfort zone is nice and comfy and warm, we got the fuzzy slippers and all, that we'll be willing to kick them off and jump. Because I can promise you that when you do, that when we do, that those steps of faith towards where Jesus is already going, where he's already been, the steps of faith that he places in front of us, when we take those steps of faith, it's like Peter stepping off of the boat and getting to be a part of the miracle on the other side. You want to stay safe, but if you step out of the boat, there's a miracle on the other side. There's more. And I want to challenge you today to say that you'll step out. I want to challenge you as I begin to wrap up to say that you'll step out in faith to go and do whatever he's called you to do next. I want to challenge you. We've got a mission trip coming up to Panama in, uh, in March. Uh, it's over spring break time uh, down in Texas. I don't know what spring break is here. Um, but March 12th through the 19th, uh, we're going to be leading a team down to Panama and it's kind of a, it's an easier trip, obviously, than Mongolia. It's a cheaper trip. It's a quicker trip. It's not, uh, it barely even counts as a flight to my kids. Uh, they've been all over the world, and they're like, how many hours is it to Panama? Like five, six hours? That doesn't even count. I'm like, whatever, spoiled. Um, <laughs> but March 12th through the 19th, we're going to be going to Panama, Lord willing, and I'd love to invite you to come. We're going to be serving and working in nutrition centers. And, and what that looks like often is helping to cook, helping to clean, helping to give out food to the kids, teaching some Bible stories, playing some games. We'll definitely play some soccer at some point because uh, that's what I like. I don't care if they like it. Um, no, um, <laughs> soccer is their sport, so I, I'm right at home there. 
Uh, and so we will uh, we'll play some games. We'll do some sort of vacation Bible school type activities. We'll get to go and serve among hundreds of kids in multiple manna projects. We'll get to tell them about Jesus. We'll get to tell their families about Jesus. And, and you'll get to see what manna does in a real way on the field firsthand. And so March 12th through the 19th, it's about $1,600 depending on flights. Um, but, uh, and I plan it all. I put it all together. You basically send the money to Mana, and we make it go. And we take you there and introduce you to people and you get to be a part of it. And so I'm going to challenge you. We've got a, we've got a notepad on the little coffee table right behind the booth here, um, out in the foyer, um, with a sign-up sheet. Uh, if you are interested in just getting our monthly emails or our, you know, our updates, put your name, put your email address on there. If you're interested in the trip, put your name and your email, um, and then put just write trip out beside it. And uh, I'd love to get you some more information about that. Uh, we'd also love to talk with you out there. We've got prayer cards and all the stuff out there. So come talk with us. Come get those things. And um, let's see what God does. Let's see what God does as we begin to step out. And what I, want, what I would love to ha have happen here is that we create a partnership like we've created with churches all over this country and like man has been doing since 2001 where Nashua Baptist Church and the Alsop family and Mana Worldwide, we join together to say we will be do something believers. And whatever God calls us to do, we will do that. And wherever he calls us to go, we'll go. And whatever he calls us to give, we'll give. We have projects with Mana right now. I, I just went to Kenya last month. And for 10 days in Kenya, and we went to this incredible school project there that has like, I think it's like 450, 500 kids, uh, just incredible from a village where there was no school, where most of the kids were not in school at all, couldn't afford to, couldn't walk to the nearest school, all that stuff. And man, I built a school there years ago. I get to meet a kid named Ashley who began there at like four or five years old, and he's now a junior in high school. He's planning to go to college. He's come to faith in Jesus. His alcoholic dad has come to faith in Jesus. His mom's come to faith in Jesus. His mom now runs the boarding uh, school part for the girls, and the dad is studying to become a pastor to go plant churches. That's what happens when churches like Nashville get involved. When people like you say, I'll give, I'll go, I'll pray. So I want to challenge you to say that these kids matter. That project in Kenya is severely, it's our most underfunded project with MANA right now. I've got several other projects in Fiji and Nepal and India and different places uh, that are underfunded as well. And so we're going to be talking about it with Pastor Stephen. And so I want to challenge you to go ahead and look at the budget. Go ahead and look at what God has given you in your comfort zone. And how you could step out to say, I want to be a part of this, to give through the church so that the local church partners with Manna and we partner with local churches and pastors to do all the things that I've told you about today. To see God show up in the lives of kids like Ashley and Ajay. And we get to be a part of it. So let me pray. Father, thank you for this morning, God. And God, I thank you for the opportunity that I have to to stand up here and to give you the pulpit. 
Father, to just say whatever it is that you'd have me say. Father, I pray that I did that today. God, because in your word, we are reminded that it will not come back void. That your word will go forward and it will change lives and hearts and it will change eternities. And God, I pray that you have done that today. I pray that you'll do that through us and in us in these days and every day for the rest of our lives. Father, lead us. God, I pray for the kids around the world, the families around the world that we get to, uh, that we get to witness to and worship with and minister to. God, that you would impact them even today. That some will be saved. That some will give their lives to ministry. God, that all will know you. In Jesus' name, amen.